and welcome to Ben and Me, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, and welcome to another episode. Matt, how, how are you? Man, I am good. You know, Jimmy, right as we get ready to close out this year, you and I were talking a long time before we even hit record about all of these things we want to do for the podcast, all of these cool ideas and stuff like that. But we're already in a big one, my friend. We are in the House of the Dragon Iceberg, right? And so for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with sort of what an iceberg theory is, uh, you know, it just imagine you sort of zoom out and it just gets darker and darker and the iceberg just goes deeper and deeper. And that's what we're doing here. So we did tiers one and tiers two, you know, that first tier, it's like uh, some of these, all right, I already kind of know that. Maybe that's like, that's like pretty easy to believe. But the further you go down, the deeper and darker and more mysterious and sometimes even more batshit crazy it goes and yeah, so today we are into yeah today we're into tier three okay so things are gonna get a little deeper we did one and two last time but this time it's gonna take a little bit longer to get into it and we have a tier four possibly a tier five uh still uh working still working that out but it's been a lot of fun and uh even outside of the iceberg we have some other cool things we were talking about so don't really necessarily want to spoil anything yet, but you guys have been sending us a lot of Ravens and we're going to get to some more of those too. And man, just an absolute lot of fun. How's everything going? How's everything going with you, Jimmy? I'm, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm good. I'm fired up about some of the big overarching projects that we have coming down the pipe here on Bend the Knee. Uh, like you said, the iceberg, as we get deeper and deeper down into the abyss, the more absolutely ludicrous these theories are. And, and folks, if you're listening to this or you're watching this on YouTube, you know, for, feel free to send us a raven if you have some theories about House of the Dragon season one. Uh, we would love to hear them. And uh, we're, we're even going to, you know, read some uh theories that we might have from fans uh and in the future so we love hearing those ravens love hearing that feedback uh but yeah i mean there's going to be some big stuff coming especially in 2023 i mean we're we're going to start getting down to facts okay mm -hmm. facts about who is who's the baddest of them all yeah and our reread's going to begin uh begin soon uh yeah. and we're only like one or two chapters into a storm of swords so we might do like a storm of swords just refresher episode since it's been a while because all the house of the dragon stuff but we're really kind of at the beginning of it and then our reread will be diving back into that and also as of the date of recording this who knows we might come back next week thinking man we're going to dive back into that iceberg and keep it going but uh it, man isn't there some there's a tr there's a convention coming out and we might get some big news on the snow show yeah i think it's this week or next weekend we have the uh first hbo official game of thrones house of the dragon like con conference uh since season eight and it is happening in los angeles and uh there's some rumors that kit harrington's mm -hmm. supposed to be there and some people think that maybe possibly there could be an announcement or a trailer or some more information. Right. At least I'm sure that there'll at least be some really cool snippets from the actors. I think like Theon, uh, the guy who played Theon supposed to be there and Jamie Lannis and a couple other people. Hodor is always there. He's always DJing, uh, which is odd, <laughs> but I'm sure people are going to have a blast at that. I wanted to go. It was actually supposed to be in Vegas last year. And me and Sir Matt, were going to go together, uh, but they switched it to Los Angeles this year. And we, you know, holidays, podcast and like we don't have all the time mm -hmm. in the world to unfortunately head to this one but we're gonna have our peepers peeled and i have some i have some little birds at the conference so we'll see if we get any uh cool insider information and there let me tell you what's here's what's interesting 
is that a lot of Warner Brothers, as we're recording this today, a lot of uh, Warner Brothers insider information is coming out today, okay, which is mm. interesting. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things going on, right? But it's just always interesting. It seems like you always get a bunch of news going on. Like, okay, so, so just as I pull up Twitter, I follow some of these Twitter accounts like um, – uh discussing film and uh big screen leaks and some of these things that track all of these sort of insider things but uh you know so they're saying black adam might just barely break even f boy wow. island 2 f boy island is canceled uh for season 3 gosh man I mean, what are we doing <laughs> yeah you know it's just hard but a big one was uh and this is one of the reasons i think we might get some news here and again we'll get to the iceberg here shortly but just to kind of talk a little about the news jimmy so there's a there's a possibility that we may get an announcement of like a sort of official maybe it's an image or something of this john snow series that's what we're thinking is potentially going to happen at this convention coming out now do you think it was it's smart to have that convention take place after the sort of leaks sort of announcement that hbo max which we've been talking about, is it going to be Discovery, Warner Brothers Plus, whatever, is now just going to simply be called Max. Yeah, big news. So now the big show, you could go ahead and say, hey, it's going to be coming out to Max. This They're yeah. dropping the HBO. I don't know how I feel about that name. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have as much <laughs> HBO Max feels much better to me now that I'm listening right. to you say it. But I will say, right. you know. Snow was number one in impressions all across social media whenever they started the leaks about it. And it would be a very good way for the new name to go viral if they were to release anything about it. So, hey, who knows? Maybe, maybe we're looking into it. Maybe maybe we got our tinfoil hats on a little too heavy, but uh, I think it's certainly a possibility. Yeah. So just interesting. So uh, who never, I guess what really what it comes down to is you just never know. I don't know what we'll never be saying, know. you know, next week, but uh yeah, um, Max. I just don't you know. Hey, yeah, you gonna go watch House of the Dragon season two on Max? It's gonna be that big new show on Max. It, it reminds me of Cinemax, and I think of like trying to look but, at Channel Twenty Two blurry, you know, Hotel Rodica. You know, I, you know I, 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 I will say, I actually thought that HBO Max when it was first announced was like a HBO Cinemax Merger. thing. <laughs> but Cinemax is still around, right? Supposedly, yeah. I think it is, isn't it? I don't know. I don't have cable I don't know. Or satellite. I just remember it being the blurry channel. And if you stayed up late enough, you got some good Easter eggs. That's all I remember. No, it's still a thing. But isn't it? Isn't Skinamax. it on like a cinemax.com? I don't know. It's like a, it's like a thing. And then there's stars too. I think there's yeah, stars. Star, has stars actually still has good shows. I couldn't tell you one, but <laughs> yeah. Weird. So Very anyway. Weird. Nonetheless, we may get that Jon Snow show. And that, to me, it would be, hey, just like we kind of said with House of the Dragon, and we were talking about this because we were thinking, you know, they said that they were going to change the name to the whatever the thing was, like sometime next summer, whether it's going to be like Discovery Plus or whatever, um, that, hey, there's your big new Game of Thrones show to be the leading thing. So I guess that's where I'm just at with this news is that, hey, he said, hey, we've come up with the name for the streaming service that we're going to change. And here's going to be the first big mega hit show. Not okay. that we're going to see that show anytime soon because they have to film it. Probably 2025 at the year. If they announced it now, I would say we'll see House of the Dragon season two because they're filming House of the Dragon season two like now. Are they? The, or so are they, they uh, beginning? Of the, yeah, I think in like a month. In yeah. like a month. Yeah. yeah. 
so that that's something to get excited for. I'm excited. Hopefully, we'll get some production shots and whatnot, and uh, you know, we'll find see. out who's playing Craig and Stark. That yeah, that's all announced. I care about. That's all I want to know. <laughs> that might be announced. That would be sick. Do you have a uh, Do you have a fan casting for Craig and Stark? Mm, not really. I mean, I love the idea of Henry Cavill. Which is funny because like everyone fan cast him in every fantasy show, but I actually think he would look awesome as Craig and Stark. But I, I it's not going to happen. I just don't see it happening. Um, no, I don't really. Do you? You know, I was trying to look up people today, um, and let me uh, look up the actor's name. And I actually thought, you know, this guy might be kind of good. How about Danny DeVito? Well, obviously, uh, <laughs> Danny DeVito would be really good. No, so I was trying to think, and you know, specifically, you want like sort of British actors, um, stuff like that. Okay, so the guy's name is Bradley James, and he played Arthur in the Merlin BBC show. Okay, it's actually good. And show. yeah, it was it was, a, it, was a, it was kind of okay. Um, but right now he's in Vikings Valhalla. Okay. And so it's like, okay. And so now he's kind of got a beard going on. And I was like, he's somebody who, you know, like the British audience, you know, kind of knows because that's the kind of people they want and stuff like that. And I was like, I man, I remember him in Merlin and I was like, he's still, I mean, he's a little bit older, but he's still kind of young enough. I feel like he could be a Craig and Stark. You could do Alexander Draymond, who uh, plays uh, Uhtred, son of Uhtred on netflix's show the last kingdom uh I, I would be down with that but i really feel steadfast in standing with danny devito well yeah danny devito's craig and stark would be would be pretty sick <laughs> i would love it i'd be down i mean <laughs> i would it fit i don't i don't know but well, I he, would can, be he can fit anywhere he can <laughs> i would watch danny devito play superman i mean <laughs> absolutely the way it's going, The Rock could play Craig and Stark because... Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just because oh, he's no. in everything. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's dive, Let's go Let's go to our iceberg, right? This, we wanted to set the tone for today, <laughs> right? For iceberg part three, because we're getting deeper, right? So tier one was your pretty standard stuff, right? So tier one of the iceberg was... You know, things like the Grand Maester conspiracy. And here it's showing itself in House of the Dragon. Okay, that's a big, well-established Game of Thrones theory. Not too far out. Even though in House of the Dragon, it's already like a tier one because on the and A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones is actually like tier two or three, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's so well-known. So tier two was things like, is Aemon the father of Helena's children? Okay, you, you got to kind of spell it out a little bit. Paternity stuff. A lot of paternity yeah, theories. Ex exactly. But now we're into uh, tier three. Lunacy. Okay? So, yeah. Well, we're not in the full descent of madness. So, uh, Jimmy, I think actually what we'll do is we have. So we have four today. So we're each going to do two. These are going to be a little bit bigger, longer ones. And um, so we'll just kind of bounce. We'll just kind of bounce back and forth here. Um, so uh, let me go. I'll, I'll, I'll start. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look for you to start. Yeah, I'll start. And this one again is actually, I don't know. And it's it's one of these, it actually could have maybe been in the tier up because it's kind of a well-established Game of Thrones theory. But maybe here we have it in tier three because it's like, oh, I wasn't really thinking about it, but here we go. 
So Bran is watching through the Weirwoods. In Game of Thrones, Bran Stark gains the ability to see and influence past events through the use of weirwood trees. We see him look back to Jon Snow's birth at the Tower of Joy. He sees other events like his father and his aunt as younger children playing, and he even wargs into Hodor, creating one of the saddest moments in the entire series. In the books, the theory goes much further, suggesting that Bran has influenced many events, including the Mad King's Burn Them All line, or perhaps his entire descent into madness. Just about anyone named Bran, fans have speculated that that could actually be Bran Stark, like Bran the Builder, who helped build the wall. In the entire series could even end in some sort of major time-traveling reset, or that Bran is just simply involved in just about any major moment in the series with his ability to go back in time through the weirwood trees in house of the dragon many important scenes take place in front of a weirwood tree including leading many fans to speculate if bran or perhaps another three-eyed raven or crow if you're reading the books is watching these events yeah i mean so I think we even said this all throughout season one. Why are they talking in front of the werewood? Why is there a werewood in King's Landing? That does that's not book canon. It shouldn't be there. But for the show canon, I think that they might be hinting at some further connection, whether it be Blood Raven, whether it be Bran. I think that this this has some legs. I think that the idea that maybe Bran is watching this history unfold. I'm not saying I'm all in, but I'm just saying maybe. Right. Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting is, and the books don't really give us, there's two ways to kind of, there's two ways to kind of, to kind of view it, I guess in the books, some of the events Bran sees, which we don't really get a lot. Like so early on, he just has these sort of Raven dreams, which are interflu or crow dreams, which are influenced by blood Raven, the three eyed crow. And then later, Bran gets to the cave and he sort of has some visions, but it's very fast and it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. Um, in the show, he doesn't necessarily have to be in front of a weirwood tree to see things. Like he goes and he sees the Tower of Joy and he goes and he sees some of these other things. But it's just sort of, I guess, a common belief or... or um, I don't know that people are watching through the weirwood trees. Perhaps it's easier, right? Um, to look at something through a weirwood tree. It, it's never really been sort of fully established, but so often many people think they hear whispers or sounds, or they feel like the weirwood is watching them. Yeah. Perhaps the weirwood tree itself is able, is alive and conscious and is able to watch and it's just, and it's presenting information to the three-eyed raven or crow, depending on, you know, show or book. Yeah, the Weirwood Network, the internet of Westeros. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in Theon in A Dance with Dragons is near the Weirwood in Winterfell, and he swears that he hears voices. Um, and then you have, like, the ghost of Winterfell. You have all these things. Um, and they all kind of center, at least somewhat, around a werewood. So I think that this is a really cool theory. I like this one quite a bit. And I would be okay if this is something that, you know, is show only. Who knows? Maybe House of the Dragon at, at the end curtain, it zooms out and Bran's just why. You know what I mean? Like, right. who knows? And 
we're not going to give anything away, but a little further down on the iceberg, not today, but even in the darker depths, we have some other weirwood conspiracy type things. So we're not done yet with the weirwoods. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so one of, so one of the scenes is Rhaenyra and Allison talking when they're younger. Yes. Right. Many of that's that. Yeah. Many of their conversations take place in front of the weirwood. And it's just interesting to sort of point out that we still don't really know in all honesty, because we haven't gotten far enough into it, uh, into the books, what, role the weirwoods are going to play in sort of the end game but i believe it's going to be something rather significant mm -hmm. you know the isle of faces this island is said to contain right a bunch of bunch of weirwood trees and that people go there they don't they don't come back and mm -hmm. that's one of that's that's one of the big events in house of the dragon uh and again uh, I guess we should preface this episode, today's episode, with major spoilers. We're we're going to be talking complete spoilers. We said that in part one, so um, we'll say it again here in in part two, right? You know, one of the the big battles ends with some, with uh, ends at the uh, God's Eye. Some people think, hey, maybe Damon survives that battle, and he's he goes to the Isle of Faces. Yeah, the Isle of Faces remains one of the biggest question marks in all of Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire, and. These theories that play with that are uh, they're fun. I think that they're really interesting and worth our time to consider because that is something I, I do believe, at least in the books, if you know we get any future entries, will have some sort of answers for it. Okay. All right, Jimmy. All right, moving down the iceberg. This one here is completely ridiculous. <laughs> All right, another entry for the Tier 3 iceberg is... Missaria is Melisandre or Quaith. Missaria has been somewhat of a mystery thus far in House of the Dragon and is ripe for speculation as she seems to be one of, one of those who keeps and shares many secrets. This has caused some fans to speculate that there must be more to this mysterious woman than a, just a terrible accent, which her accent is terrible in the show. Um, another character from Game of Thrones show that was also the center of a lot of theories and speculation was Melisandre, the Red Witch. In Game of Thrones, Melisandre is about 400 years old and would be just old enough to possibly let the creators tie the events from House of the Dragon TV show to the Game of Thrones TV show. With Missaria so close to these major historical events, some have claimed this could be very young Melisandre affecting the course of history in Westeros, even having somewhat of a similar backstory to Missaria. This seems highly unlikely, but what is even more unlikely is to take it even a step further that the ever elusive and in the show completely forgotten about Quaith could be Missaria as well. This claim seems to have way less evidence towards it than the Melisandre part, but there are multiple people in Reddit and other forums and even on YouTube that I have seen claim that this could be a way for House of the Dragon to tidy up the Quaith storyline. We've yet to see any reason for this other than why not, in my opinion, and I think it's very likely that neither of these are true. The Melisandre theory, part of this theory, is a lot more interesting, and I could see them wanting to link the two shows, but I think it's most likely that Missaria is simply just the white worm. What do you think? Yeah, I would have to say it's more likely that she, if she is one of those two, it's more likely that she is Quaith than it is that she's Melisandre. You think so? I do. Okay. I, I, if she is, I'm not saying, I don't think she's actually either of them. Um, yeah, I but, think this one's a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, that's not to say that uh, Masaria couldn't go on to be somebody uh, different or important or a character maybe, maybe we don't even know about. 
exists exists yet. And I do think, hopefully, that season two will sort of expand on Masaria as that sort of Melisandre-type side mystical uh, character. Right now, she's really... I, the route they're going with her is this sort of like Varys character or Littlefinger mm-hmm. um, character, but who knows? Maybe she is dabbling a little bit more into the dark arts, uh, if you uh, right, if you will. So I think the likelihood of her being Melisandre is quite unlikely because I think Melisandre probably, when she was younger, looks like the character she looks like in the books and the show. I think that's probably. That's that that like Seems whatever fair. whatever Melisandre's presenting herself at, that's probably what she looks like. Yeah. Uh one one of the reasons why some people pointed to Melisandre for Missaria, though, is because the last thing we see in Missaria in season one of the House of the Dragon is that the building is lit on fire and you know, we kind of assume she's dead. No body, no case. Right. I don't know if I believe that. Um, and no one what we know from fire and blood. But some people said, hey, the way she could survive the fire is that she looks into the flame. She looks into the flame. Let's go. She's yeah. a red witch. Let's go. You know, I mean, guys, we know that this is preposterous, <laughs> but it's kind of the, fun. Right? It's it's the iceberg. <laughs> it's the it, iceberg. It gets, it gets deeper and deeper. It gets okay? worse. It gets worse. Yeah. So if I had if I had to pick of the two, the idea of her being Quaith, I think makes a little more sense of of the two. Not again. Yeah. Not saying that she is Quaith, but uh, to have fun, to certainly have fun with it. I think. The idea of her being Quaith is far more interesting because Quaith is somebody who presents some very important information and prophetic information to Daenerys. Yeah. And Quaith is somebody who is going to have some sort of a role to play in the final two books. Uh, George Martin has said that, like, you know. We're not really done with her yet. Uh, she will have a role to play in the show. There, it's just easy to kind of, to easy to kind of move on. Do I think that Masaria is the person who would be Quaith? It just would be a really hard sell in the books, simply because you would need to like explain who Masaria is in the <laughs> yeah. regular Song of Ice and Fire books because you haven't had that. Right. If I do think that she is probably somebody you know, like a sheer sea star, you know, blood Ravens paramour. And you can dive into that and make that sort of be a agent on his behalf or whatever. That and that cool. Quaith, I do believe Quaith's identity will sort of be somewhat revealed. We don't have to like have her take off the mask and it's this big, huge reveal or but, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be somebody that's going to sort of be like, okay. And we'll understand the reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of liked uh, Melisandre's end in the show that she just was like, okay, we defeated the Night King. Like, I'm done now. Yeah. Out of all the things that, you know, we didn't like some characters' endings, and I could actually go into a big tangent about things that I did like, even though there's a lot to dislike. Th- that was one of them that I was kind of okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I thought this theory was kind of cool. I do think that they would like to tie in Melisandre probably, but just because the actress is willing and it does kind of make sense in the timeline that it can make it work. But you're right. Like why would Masaria end up being Melisandre and then have someone else play her? Like the idea would be for the Easter egg to be the actress, (laughs) you know? Um, But this is one of those theories, the theories on the iceberg. There are some on here, especially we get down deeper. They're a little bit more obscure. Only a couple people mentioning them. This one had a lot more traction than I expected. A lot of comments on different threads, you know, saying, no, I'm telling you it's Melisandre. And 
It's like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe her bad accent is on purpose. Maybe. <laughs> okay, awesome. Okay, well, uh, I'll move on to my next one. And this one's a little uh, hot. This is a hot take. Oh, man. Also a little controversial. Okay. Just a little. Danny didn't burn King's Landing. One of the most controversial scenes in the final season of Game of Thrones came in episode five of The Bells, where Daenerys Targaryen burns down King's Landing. Many fans felt this went against her overall character arc in the course of the show and even in the books. But given in but given in House of Dragon, we see a scene in which Aemon Targaryen and Lucerys Valerion's dragons act against their own wishes. It results in the start of the Dance of the Dragons and Lucerys' death. Fans have speculated immediately that perhaps this was what happened in season eight of Game of Thrones. And it wasn't Daenerys that initially wanted to burn King's Landing, but her dragon Drogon. No, Drogon. After all, Drogon does burn the Iron Throne after she's killed by Jon. <laughs> <laughs> No, Drogon, no! <laughs> uh. Ooh, my face hurts from laughing. Oh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> they did so it. So likelihood, likelihood. Uh, so likelihood of that one, Jimmy? Or? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, we never do see Daenerys' POV in the show when she's burning King's Land. Like, we just see the dragon flying over and from everyone else's perspective. So maybe there's a fight, you know? Maybe we're, maybe we're you know, maybe she's covering up for her, her child whenever she, you know, tells John, like, we'll make them understand with her little, like, pseudo Hitler psychotic stare. Um, yeah, this is absolutely ludicrous. Well, here's let me let me let me attack this one. Uh, so I don't I obviously do not believe that that drug. Well, I don't know. Actually, hold on. Let me think about this for a second. So one of the things people were saying about the Amond and Luceris scene was that even though they were saying like, no, like, you know, obey me, listen to me, that the dragons were actually still acting on their on the writer's sort of intent. And so this is one of the things where it seems like because if you you do get this sort of shot of Daenerys before she burns everything down, is that perhaps, you know, maybe she's thinking about it, but Drogon is the one that like kicks off. <laughs> no, Drogon. No. I know. It's just the idea of saying, like, no. <laughs> this might be my favorite. This is my second favorite uh theory of the, on the, whole, the of the whole thing. Of the whole iceberg. This is my second favorite theory, yeah. Yeah. But what do you what do you think about the idea though of the of the dragons perhaps acting based purely on like having sort of uh, the uh, a true like sort of emotional connection? Yeah, I think it's possible. Like you know, we can't pretend to understand dragon bonds because the books tell us that we can't. So like that's fine. But I I think it's very reasonable to imagine that they can pick up on emotions whenever there is some sort of bond. I think we see that a little bit actually with Lena, like right before mm -hmm. she commits suicide. I think that that's a really emotional moment. Um, one of the better scenes actually with the dragons for me in season one. So if, I don't know. I think it's definitely possible. Uh, because there are there are moments like on the bridge 
in Dragonstone where like Damon's standing there and his dragon then flies over and lands on the other side. So his dragon already kind of knows like what to do. The so game. that is some sort of emotional bond. So if Danny has this with her dragons, then perhaps <laughs> Drogon's really the one who burns on King's Landing. Hey, also, he... why does he just burn the Iron Throne at the end? See, yeah. he just hate he just hated it. I think said, Drogon was playing some 40 chess. Yeah, he said, see, I hate I hate the throne. Throne bad. Pointy chair. <laughs> the pointy chair bad. <laughs> We're gonna get some mean comments from serious. That. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get some hate mail for that one, I think. Not as much as Dan and Dave got for people hating the uh, Daenerys' arc there yeah. at the end. I mean, if anything, uh, we can li maybe this is how I can go. Does that if that if that happened, does that does that help Daenerys' case or does it just make season eight that much worse? Honestly, I think it makes it better because I don't know if it could get <laughs> much worse in that regard. Now, now maybe we're not going to go on a big season eight thing, but I just want to say that there are some parts of season eight I enjoyed. Oh, I um, still say I love the first three episodes. Yeah, but... there, there, there's some stuff I really enjoy about that. And maybe maybe we'll do a, uh, you know, a flashback episode where we can kind of talk about what we like, because me and you have never discussed on the podcast those things. But honest to God, I'm going to use this as headcanon now, yeah. even though I don't see the Night King didn't want to burn down the wall. Viserion <laughs> did it. I blame the dragons. I blame the dragons. People were good. Well, see, one, one of the other things is... Um, Viserys talks about how he's like, no, we don't control the dragons. That's right. Like, we don't really think, we, you know, we're foolish for thinking we actually control them. That's right. See, Danny didn't control Drogon. Drogon said, I'm going to burn all these motherfuckers up. And with this, we have now just qualm a lot of the distaste that people have grown to have for season eight. For season eight. We fixed it. We fixed it. So thanks, uh, HBO. Thanks. There we go. Nice check. All right, we'll move on. This one is uh, interesting. It is, I don't know if it's as ridiculous as the Danny didn't burn King's Landing, but here we go. Laris is a warg and possibly a green seer. Laris is a very enigmatic character who not only harbors the ability to get things done in the shadows, but also to do extreme acts of brutality. His wealth of intimate knowledge of those around the Red Keep enables him to be a very effective player in the Game of Thrones, specifically for Alicent. While him being club-footed and therefore ignored and visible by many of the noble people at court could be used as a justification for his ability to listen closely to private conversations, there are further explanations, more fantastical explanations as well. Some people believe that simply overhearing some key conversations would not lead to all of the intimate knowledge that Laris possesses about key people in the Red Keep. Some have even linked his ability to, to manipulate people to legendary figure in Westeros, Blood Raven. Could Laris be a green seer like Blood Raven? And to take it one step further, could Laris also possess the power of warging? This theory stems from the fact that Laris' wealth of knowledge, but also imagery, of what was extremely prevalent in House of the Dragon season one, which was rats running all over the Red Keep. In many, many key scenes, we see rats infesting the dragon skull, uh, infesting the blood ridden floors after the brutal beatdown that we see Kristen Cole deal out. Is Varys working into the rats in the castle and spying this way? Is he seeing conversations that he should not be seeing by using these rats that are all over the Red Keep? 
Or is he working with a more human-like network of uh, spies akin to Varys from Game of Thrones? Either way, Laris is one to keep our eye on as we move forward in House of the Dragon for sure. I think this one has some validity to it. I don't hate it. Um, there's nothing in the strong family line that would tip us to believe that he should have green dreams, but we don't really know what that much about the strong line because yeah. he's the end of it. Yeah. He kind of, he thins it out a little bit, doesn't he? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I like this one. I think it's harmless by the way. Like I think that this, this will never be confirmed in the show. I don't, I don't think I might be wrong, um, which we have some more Laris theories coming that are way more ridiculous mm -hmm. than this, but, but this one's harmless in the fact that like, if this is never confirmed or denied by the show, we could believe it and it doesn't change much. You know what I mean? So this one's kind of cool. Definitely takes a step further with the warging, like even a green seer. It's like, okay, well maybe like he, he's seeing things and he knows positions to be in for the future, but warging into the rats would be like a whole nother level, more akin to brand than blood Raven, you know, because Brandon was a green seer and a warg, whereas blood Raven was just a green seer. So this would make Laris one of the more powerful people ever in Westeros history. If it were true. Yeah. Yeah. And it would also, it would explain a lot, you know, I mean, there's, there's a kind of ridiculous theory in, and it's actually more ridiculous than, than this one in uh, the main series that Varys is a merman. Uh, and it talks <laughs> about the idea that Varys is able to sort of like swim across the narrow sea. And that's how he can see, like, he knows so, so why everything, everything that's going on over in Essos, because he could just go back and forth. It's pretty ridiculous, but a fun one. <laughs> And, you know, it, it, but this one actually sort of makes a lot of sense. I mean, warging is something that's very, not very common, but it's in the, in the series, the main series, like, well, it's kind of common. All the Stark ch children can do it. Um, some of the wildlings can do it. We don't know really anything about the house strong because Laris is the end of it. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's the, he's the, he's the end of the, the house strong line. And, you know, they're just sort of there. And in the books, really, you know, again, it's sort of rough outline. So we don't know. So I think it actually would make a lot of sense if he were a warg. And I think it'd actually be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it would be neat. And the, the rats were a, a very good piece of symbolism of like things like, you know, being messy in the Red Keep, but also like eating within the beast beneath mm -hmm. the doors. A lot of people thought the beast beneath the fords before we saw what it was, was the rats. Like a lot of people thought that that's what she uh what she meant, Helena, whenever she said that. So, you know, the rats could just be symbolism, but maybe it's more than that. Like, maybe there's a reason why we're seeing them. And I know me and you mentioned it after every single episode. Like, what's up with the rats? Like, there has to be something more. And this is a very interesting. <laughs> this is an interesting justification, not just for that symbolism, but I've seen a lot of people levy the criticism that they felt like Laris hasn't really been given enough context, meaning that like he just seems evil for evil's sake, like killing his entire family, which is a massive deal in Westeros. Uh, he kind of just does it. And we don't really know other than maybe just some ambition, but like, what is that ambition? Maybe him being a green seer would give him foresight to know that the events need to play out this way. And that's why he's so willing to go ahead and do these things. Also, I mean, it could be the fact that he's club footed and has probably been looked down upon and he's not the strongest of the, of the bunch, you know, compared to Harwin. And so, I mean, there's definitely some natural <laughs> like right. bridges we can build to get to these assumptions of why he did what he did. But 
it is interesting and fun to look at the fantastical elements of it as well and say, well, maybe he knows something we don't. Yeah. And he also seems like he kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, like in the show, it just seems like, whoa, he just came like, in front of a weirwood. Yeah, exactly. Just so say it. I this is one actually that I I could see. We you you we would need it. You'd again they they could do it in seasons two or three, uh, and it would be kind of cool because the books because the books are told to us through mushroom and uh, you know maester. So then it's like okay, so it would make sense that they would not know that he's a warg, but the show could totally do it. Then it would also make him seem a lot more powerful and evil as a villain. Yeah, and I think it would it wouldn't be bad to give a little bit more nuance to him of like why he's doing what he's doing, other than just the fact that he happens to be a disabled person in right. Westeros. Like like that is pretty two dimensional, right? Like we should be able right. to do a little bit more of that. Um, we should we should we should be able to get some more, and we have time, so we'll see what happens. Uh, he's certainly got a role to play in the future of House of the Dragon, and who knows? Maybe he'll be worgen into a dragon. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Well, we will see. Well, that is tier three of our iceberg. We mm -hmm. have a tier four. We not today, but uh, it gets even deeper, even darker. We may have a tier five. You just have to uh, play along. You know, st listen, stay along, and uh, come come along for the ride. Awesome. Well, with that, guys, as always, want to thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check out more content or support the show over on Patreon or Apple Premium. Love talking all these theories that you guys are sending us and diving into some of these iceberg theories we've been doing as well. So we appreciate you guys watching. I appreciate you guys listening. We will be back with more. And remember that winter is coming. <laughs>